to St. James's Church and Graveyard. Introduction In the heart of Dublin's vibrant liberties, you can find a centuries-old place that links the city's past with its present. St. James's Church and Graveyard. Since its foundation in the 12th century, the parish of St. James has looked after the spiritual needs of the local community. Its church bells rang out in celebration for baptisms and weddings, but they have also tolled for the many thousands laid to rest here over the centuries. In this audio guide, produced on behalf of Dublin City Council, you will hear about some of the joyous and tragic days that make up the rich history of St. James's Parish. As one of the oldest and largest graveyards in Dublin's inner city, this hallowed ground has been the final resting place for thousands over the centuries. Throughout this guide, we will hear about some of the interesting characters interred here and the community that makes up St. James's Parish from Dublin City Council historian-in-residence, Cathy Scuffle. This guide will also take you through the story of St. James the Apostle, to whom the church and graveyard are dedicated. We'll follow in the footsteps of the pilgrims on the Camino and hear about some of the conservation work undertaken on the graveyard. We'll also explore St. James's Church and Graveyard's long connection with the brewing industry. This connection is based on the church's location within the famed Golden Triangle, where some of Ireland's best-known breweries and distilleries were established. This position has influenced today's use of St. James's Church as a boutique distillery and visitor centre. St. James's location between the popular tourist destinations of the Guinness Storehouse and Kilmainham Jail Museum means that thousands of visitors from around the world pass its gates every day. Whether you are a visitor out exploring the liberties or listening from the comfort of your home, we hope you enjoy the fascinating story of St. James's Church and Graveyard from its foundation in the 12th century to the final burial in 1989 and how this historic place still serves its community today. St. James's Medieval Church and Graveyard In the Middle Ages, the land on which St. James's Church and Graveyard stand today once belonged to the Chief Sergeant of Ireland, Henry Tyrrell. Between 1189 and 1192, Tyrrell generously granted this land to St. Thomas's Augustinian Abbey, which once stood on nearby Thomas Street. As part of the grant, Tyrrell stipulated that a church and graveyard dedicated to St. James should be built on his donated land. Once agreed, the founding charter was drawn up and witnessed by two of the most influential figures in Anglo-Norman Ireland, John Cummin, the Archbishop of Dublin, and John de Courcy, the Justiciar of Ireland. This medieval church stood here until it was replaced in the 1700s. Though no documents survived that described this early church and graveyard in their heyday, records do show that a wayside cross and holy well dedicated to St. James stood nearby. Wayside crosses were often made of stone or wood, and they were a common feature of medieval towns and cities. They acted as a way marker on busy roads, 
advertising to those that passed that a church was nearby, while the waters of the holy well would have been used by priests in sacred rites such as baptisms and to help those suffering from illness. From the medieval period up until the 19th century, St. James's Church and the surrounding area celebrated the feast of St. James on the 25th of July. An annual fair was held, which gathered large crowds who had come to honour the saint. The celebrations often lasted six days and attracted merchants from as far away as England, France and Flanders. According to later sources, delicious food was served from stalls that lined the streets, trinkets and toys were sold to excited children, and hurling matches were held as part of the festivities. During the fair, St. James's graveyard was decorated by locals. Mourners would artfully shape white paper into flowers and garlands which would adorn the graves of their loved ones. Even effigies of those interred were created and placed on the graves. Though St. James's fair was officially discontinued in 1738 due to raucous behaviour, locals continued attending an unofficial fair here until the 1820s. St. James's Church and the Camino in Ireland The Camino is one of the most famous pilgrimages in the world. Its name literally means the way in Spanish, referring to those countless people who have made their way to the tomb of Santiago or St. James in Spain. Though St. James was executed in Judea for spreading Christianity in 44 AD, later legend claims that he spent time before his death converting the people of Spain. According to the tale, St. James's body was taken by disciples from Judea who followed an angel across the Mediterranean to Compostela in the northeast of Spain. St. James's final resting place was forgotten over the centuries until it was rediscovered in 814 AD. A church was built at this sacred place which over the years became the focus of a pilgrimage that rivaled even the great holy sites of Rome and Jerusalem. For centuries, pilgrims have journeyed across enormous distances, looking for forgiveness, improved health and indulgences at St. James's tomb. Before making their perilous journey, they often stopped at a church dedicated to St. James, where a set of rites were performed, including confession, holy communion and the blessing. Those beginning the Camino in Dublin may have stopped in medieval St. James's church for that blessing but others went to the pilgrim hostel dedicated to St. James that once stood near the docks. Historical records show that many Irish people made this epic journey, including the Archbishop of Dublin in 1267 and the Mayor of Waterford in 1483. Whether travelling by foot or boat, the pilgrimage to Compostela would have taken weeks and been fraught with danger. Pirates, thieves, disease and malnourishment were just some of the problems that pilgrims had to contend with. But this was all worth it once they had reached the tomb of St. James and collected their scallop shell. The pilgrims treasured these shells 
and many were laid to rest with them. An example of this practice was found during the excavation of nearby St. Thomas's Abbey, where two male burials were discovered with perforated scallop shells, one with the scallop on his lower chest, while the other had the scallop on his upper right arm. This suggests that the shells may have been sewn into their clothes or worn around their necks. As in medieval times, these scallop shells are still an integral part of the Camino and the story of St. James today. St. James's Church and Graveyard and the Liberties Nestled in the Liberties and almost completely surrounded by industrial buildings, St. James's Church and Graveyard is very much in the heart of 21st century Dublin. But in the 12th century, this area was part of the rolling countryside in the hinterland of the city. The south boundary of the graveyard bordered one of the ancient roadways of Ireland known as the Slimoor in Irish, or the Great Highway. The route of the Slimoor ran along modern James's Street towards the Royal Hill of Tara in County Meath. Visitors, warriors and traders would have walked along this road past the gates of St. James's graveyard to reach Dublin's West Gate, which later became known as St. James's Gate. To hear more about the liberties and the community around St. James's church and graveyard, we are joined by historian-in-residence Cathy Scuffle. If we look at the story of St. James's Church and Graveyard, ironically, it, it begins with another local church quite close by, and that's the Abbey of St. Thomas the Martyr, also called Thomas Court, and that had been established outside the city walls of the city of Dublin in 1177 by King Henry II. That was part of his penance for the murder of Thomas a Becket, the Archbishop of Canterbury. King John, who's the son of this Henry, added more privileges to this abbey and made it a liberty. And that's where we get the liberties of Dublin from. And it had its own court, its own local administration and could raise taxes free of the corporation of Dublin. I suppose that's very much like life in the liberties today. The Abbey had two parish churches associated with it. One was called St Catherine's on Thomas Street in front of the Abbey and the other was St James the Apostle further west on what was later to become James's Street and that's on the site of the present day Pierce Lyons Distillery and the adjoining graveyard. Both parish churches were called after martyred saints like Thomas the Becket. The lands at St. James's, together with the rights to the output of mills and a fishery, had been granted to the Abbey by Henry Tyrrell, who was the chief sergeant of Ireland, and he got a charter dated sometime between 1189 and 1192. A big clue to the importance of St. James's survives in the layout of the nearby streetscape. It's significantly wider, and that's the legacy of former fairs and markets that were established here right on the outskirts of Dublin for pilgrims, for visitors, anybody who was coming into the city. In later years, this became the industrial heartland of the city. 
especially with the construction of the Grand Canal Main Line in the mid-1700s. It had extensive harbours, docks, there were offices, there were warehouses, and these were all located at the top of Eklund Street, beside James's Street, and this marked the very end of the canal route. This primary transport route, linking Dublin with the rest of the country, had a huge effect on the area and was a primary reason for the expansion of the Guinness Brewery and William Jemison's distillery in nearby Marbon Lane. Today, the James's Street area still attracts visitors from all over the world as they make their way to the Guinness Storehouse, Ireland's biggest tourist attraction. Many graves in St. James's reflect these industries with burials of brewers, distillers, bargemen and others from the local community. The development of St. James's during and after the Reformation. For over 300 years, St. James's medieval church and graveyard catered to the Catholic population of the area until the turbulent times of King Henry VIII's reign. Under his rule and that of his son, King Edward VI, and his youngest daughter, Queen Elizabeth I, the English Reformation and the dissolution of the monasteries took place. Ancient monasteries, sprawling abbeys and ecclesiastical buildings that had stood for centuries were dissolved, their lands and possessions sold, and their nuns, monks and friars dismissed. In 1539, St. Thomas's Abbey and its possessions, including St. James's Church and Graveyard, were surrendered to the English Crown. While St. Thomas's became a private possession of Sir William Brabazon, the Vice-Treasurer and Lord Justice of Ireland, St. James's continued to function as a place of worship dedicated to the new Anglican or Protestant faith. This new faith became known as the Church of Ireland. Under its governance, the dilapidated medieval St. James's Church was replaced with more modern buildings to cater to the growing congregation. Historical maps dating from the 17th century show that St. James's Church of Ireland was enlarged over time. The widening of the church meant that medieval graves placed close to the original church walls were disturbed by the work. Though internally the graveyard changed as more and more people were buried here, historical maps show that the external dimensions stayed much the same. This was primarily due to the graveyard's red brick boundary wall. For many years, all that lay beyond this wall was countryside. But as the city expanded, this area was swallowed up by developments. The land west of the graveyard became part of Dr. Stevens' hospital, while the east became a soldier's infirmary in the 1700s. Beyond the northern boundary of St. James's graveyard, the ground sloped down toward Lord Galway's Walk and the River Liffey. Later in the 20th century, this land became part of St. James's Gate Brewery, the world-famous home of Guinness. Rock's map of 1756 shows that St. James's graveyard was made up of many headstones and winding paths, and the south section, 
which faces James's Street, was blocked by a row of terrace houses. Access to the church and graveyard was then through a gap in the centre of this terrace. In later years, these houses were removed, allowing St James's church and graveyard to be seen once again. The final St James's Church of Ireland was built in the mid-19th century in the Gothic Revival style, giving the church its austere and grand appearance today. This new church was almost double the size of its forerunner and boasted a tower and transepts, which gave it a distinctive cruciform shape. It was designed by Joseph Welland, who also created the North Strand Church and Zion Church in Rathgar. After ten years and some £6,000 in costs, the new St James's Church of Ireland was officially opened for service on the 16th of December 1860. For a century, this church administered to a congregation that had already begun to slowly decline in numbers. By 1963, it was decided that the church should close for good, and the faithful moved to nearby St Catherine's. The final service in St. James's Church was appropriately held on Easter Sunday, the most important feast day in the Christian calendar, while the last burial in St. James's graveyard took place 20 years later, in 1989. Entwining of the Catholic and Protestant communities. So far, we have heard about medieval St. James's Church and its transition into the Church of Ireland. But what of the Catholic community who continued to live in the area? Despite having the restrictive penal laws imposed upon them in the 17th and 18th centuries, Catholics and Presbyterians continued to secretly practice their faith in Ireland. Here, in the Liberties, a number of private dwellings were used to hide Catholic priests, and to host mass. However, Church of Ireland graveyards remained the country's only officially sanctioned burial grounds. This meant that many Catholics and Protestants were buried side by side in St. James's. While these two faiths sharing a burial ground may sound ecumenical, restrictions were placed on the Catholic burials. For example, Catholic priests were not permitted to pray over the body in the graveyard. A way around this complication was soon discovered, which local historian in residence Cathy Scuffle will share with us now. The story of St. James's reflects many aspects of Ireland's social history over the years. One such example is the well-known local funeral custom of carrying coffins three times around James's Street Fountain before burial in St. James's graveyard. Why would this ritual have been done? It is suggested that the procession around the fountain three times would give sufficient time for the Roman Catholic priest to say the prayers for the dead. This was at a time when Catholic priests were forbidden to conduct their ceremonies and burial rites in Protestant graveyards. The penal laws the suppression of Catholics following the victory of King William of Orange at the Battle of the Boyne in 1690 didn't permit Catholics to have their own graveyards in Dublin. But burials 
could be facilitated in Protestant graveyards such as St James's. With the ending of the penal laws in the 1820s, Catholics began building churches. All across Ireland, steeples rose up to the skyline, announcing the presence of the old faith again. In the 1840s, construction began on a new Catholic church almost directly across the road from St. James's Church of Ireland. The foundations of this new church were laid by none other than the great liberator, Daniel O'Connell. He earned this illustrious title because of his role in ensuring Catholic emancipation for Ireland. This meant repealing the hated penal laws, which had limited the civil rights of Catholics and Presbyterians for centuries. In remembrance of this historical event, Daniel O'Connell's face was carved into the main entrance of St. James's Catholic Church. To this day, his stoic face still watches over those entering Catholic St. James's. Burials in St. James's Graveyard As we heard earlier, James's Graveyard was established over 800 years ago with Henry Tyrrell's donation of land. During those early years, burials would have been concentrated around the church, but as time went on, the graveyard would have spread northwards and downhill towards the River Liffey. Since at least the 17th century, St. James's graveyard has stayed much the same in terms of size and shape. Covering an area of 1.5 acres, this walled graveyard contains 700 upstanding headstones, the oldest of which dates from 1627. Yet the majority of those interred here go unmarked. According to church records, around 30,000 people were buried in St. James's graveyard between 1742 and 1836. It has therefore been estimated by historian Sean Murphy that over 100,000 burials may have taken place since the graveyard first opened in the 12th century. The earliest surviving reference to a burial in St. James's comes from the will of Dublin merchant Walter Soggan. In his will, dated to 1495, Walter left arms for the poor and funds for the repair of St. James's Church. Over the centuries, people of all religions and social backgrounds were buried here, including soldiers, revolutionaries, clergy, tanners, brewers, and even the aristocracy. The latter includes the third Viscount Tara, who was the godson of King Charles II of England. Some of the Viscounts of Allen were also buried here, such as John, third Viscount Allen, who acted as the Grand Master of the Freemasons in Ireland. The graves of these Viscounts of Allen were connected to one of the most unpleasant and common crimes of the 18th century, body snatching. In 1743, a gravedigger in St. James's graveyard stole the lead coffin in which the first Viscountess was buried and sold the lead to a plumber for 25 shillings. Previous to this, St. James's sexton tried to remove the body of the late Mrs. Murphy in order to sell it. Amongst the tombs of the aristocracy are the unmarked graves of paupers, many of whom came from the South Dublin Union workhouse. 
Located on what is now St. James's Hospital, the workhouse was home to some 3,200 inmates. During the years of the Great Irish Famine, its rooms filled with those seeking food and shelter, but not everyone found refuge there. Between 1851 and 1861, 536 paupers from the Union died and were buried here in St. James's graveyard. Throughout St. James's are the graves of ordinary men, women and children who lived and worked in the area. They include James Radcliffe, Kilmainham farmer and glue boiler, Patrick Creek, Marabone Lane weaver, and Edith Vaughan, nurse. Edith died in 1893 at the age of 22, and according to a headstone, she was late of the nursing staff of Dr. Stevens Hospital, who died of fever contracted while on duty. Her headstone was erected by some of the medical staff, sister nurses and friends who esteemed and valued her. Not far from Edith's grave is the final resting place of John Lucas and his family. John fought with the British Army in the 1800s and was awarded a Victoria Cross, the highest decoration in the British military, for rescuing a wounded officer while holding his position under fire. John Lucas was not the only military connection in the graveyard. Memorials here are dedicated to local men who fought in Flanders and the Battle of the Somme in World War I. Nine Commonwealth graves can also be found in this graveyard. In 2013, the late Queen's cousin, Prince Edward, the Duke of Kent, visited these memorials while he was president of the Commonwealth War Graves Commission. Of the same period, juxtaposed with these Commonwealth War Graves, is the stone cross which marks the final resting place of Elizabeth and George Fullerton. This married couple were members of revolutionary groups Common Naman and the Dublin Brigade IRA. They both fought during the famous 1916 Rising and their grave can be found towards the back of St. James's graveyard. Though the graveyard was officially closed to new burials in 1955, it remained open for a time to those with family burial rights. The last burial was for a local woman, Elizabeth Hardiman, which took place in 1989. The Memorial to Sir Theobald Butler One of the most remarkable memorials in St. James's graveyard belongs to Sir Theobald Toby Butler. Located in the centre of the graveyard, just north of the church, this two-metre-high, imposing monument displays a plaster bust of Toby surrounded by angelic cherubs. Toby Butler lived an extraordinary life through one of Ireland's most turbulent times. He was born in Tipperary in around 1650, when Cromwell and his new model army marched across the land. Toby's family opposed Cromwell and took the Confederate side in the war. For this, they not only lost their estate, but Toby's grandfather, Captain James Butler, was hanged for his part in the conflict. Perhaps it was these injustices that spurred Toby to become a lawyer. After studying at the prestigious Inner Temple in London and at the King's Inns in Dublin, he had a highly successful career, 
becoming one of the leading lawyers in the Irish Chancery Court. For his loyalty to King James II, Toby was knighted in the Order of St. James of Compostela, a fitting honour considering his burial place here in St. James's graveyard. However, Toby Butler is probably best remembered for his prominent role in negotiating and signing the Treaty of Limerick. This significant document, signed on the 3rd of October, 1691, changed the country's history forever. It ended the war in Ireland between the Jacobite supporters of the Catholic King James II and those who supported his rival and son-in-law, the Protestant King William of Orange. The Treaty of Limerick also allowed the Jacobite aristocracy to keep their property and for Jacobite soldiers, including Toby's brother, to go into exile in France. After the treaty, Toby continued to practice the law until his death in 1721. Like many other aristocratic Catholics, he was buried in St. James's Church of Ireland graveyard. His son erected this impressive memorial in his honour, but over the centuries it fell into disrepair. A conservation team employed by Dublin City Council carefully cleaned and repointed the Butler Monument, along with many other tombs and headstones in the graveyard. Using historic photographs, they were able to reassemble parts of the original monument which were found nearby. Thanks to this careful conservation work, Toby Butler's memorial continues to stand proudly in St. James's today, resilient to the ravages of climate change. The Burial of John O'Grady There are many other interesting burials in St. James's graveyard, some of which are connected to significant events in Irish history, such as the 1916 Rising. To hear more of this, we are joined now by historian-in-residence, Cathy Scuffle. St. James's graveyard is very close to today's St. James's Hospital. This was known as the South Dublin Union in 1916 and was one of a number of battlefield sites in Dublin City for the Easter Rising. Despite its close proximity, there are surprisingly few associations of the graveyard with this significant event in Irish history. This is probably due to the fact that most fatalities were interred in the larger city cemeteries of the time, such as Glasnevin, Deansgrange and Mount Jerome. There is, however, one significant 1916 casualty buried in St. James's graveyard. It is that of 27-year-old Dublin Port and Docks board crane driver John J. O'Grady. He was of A Company of the 3rd Battalion, Dublin Brigade of the Irish Volunteers. He was killed in action during the Rising on the 29th of April 1916 while serving with the Jacobs Biscuit Factory Garrison and was buried in St. James's Graveyard a few days later on the 3rd of May 1916. He and 13 others had been sent by Tomás Macdonough on bicycles from Jacobs to Eamon de Valera's garrison in Boland's Mills to assist those forces. En route, 
O'Grady received a rifle bullet wound to the stomach at York Street, quite close to the biscuit factory. He was brought back to Jacobs initially before being quickly transferred to the Adelaide Hospital at Peter Street. It was there he later died from internal bleeding as a result of the gunshot wound he had received. He was the only volunteer from the Jacobs Biscuit Factory garrison to be killed in action during the 1916 Rising. The O'Grady family had connections at the time to St Nicholas Place in the city's liberties. John himself was living at Bachelor's Walk on the Quays at the time of his death. John's father, Charles, was a bookbinder and his brother, Charles Jr., was also involved in the Rising, stationed at Rose Malthouse in Mount Brown, just down the road from the graveyard. He was to hear the tragic news of his brother's death from a policeman's daughter who sympathised with him. Until then, Charles was unaware of his brother's faith. Sadly, John left behind a widow, Josephine. They were only eight months married at the time of his death. His headstone in St. James's depicts a Celtic cross. St. James's in Modern Times As you have heard, St. James's Church and Graveyard has been a religious centre for centuries, catering to generations of Dubliners until its final service in 1963. The church and graveyard lay dormant and overgrown in the following decades until the St. James's Graveyard Project, a false employment scheme, began in 1987. Under the guidance of a trained archaeologist and historian, local volunteers carefully cut back copious amounts of vegetation in the graveyard. This revealed hundreds of memorials of various types and dates which had lain unseen for a generation or more. The 500 inscriptions the group recorded during the project included names, dates and epitaphs of those buried. Later, in 2010, Dublin City Council acquired a portion of this historic burial ground from the representative church body of the Church of Ireland for the peppercorn fee of one euro. Since then, the council has worked to ensure that this ancient graveyard, one of the oldest in Dublin, and an important green space for wildlife, is managed and conserved for future generations. This involves repairing damaged monuments, resetting fallen stones and conserving memorials to withstand the effects of weathering. The team has also tackled invasive plant species and undertaken necessary tree surgery. Dublin City Council also commissioned a topographical survey showing the ground's contours and how the graveyard slopes down from the church towards the River Liffey. Astonishingly, the survey revealed that the difference in level between the church and the northernmost end of the graveyard was 11 metres in height. While Dublin City Council maintains St James's graveyard, the church was bought by Inchicore native Dr Pierce Lyons in 2013. 
Together, he and his wife Deirdre had a vision for the former church's next chapter and set about releasing the building from any covenants that may have prevented the production of alcohol on site. His dream came to life, and nowadays the church functions as a boutique distillery and visitor centre. The church's location in Dublin's golden triangle of alcohol production made it an ideal spot for distilling. This so-called triangle was at its peak in the 18th and 19th centuries, when the likes of Guinness, then the world's largest brewery, and George Rowe & Company, the single largest producer of whisky in the world, were established here. St. James's Church and Graveyard has a special connection to these distilleries and their owners. Philanthropist and distiller Henry Rowe was a benefactor to both St. James's Church of Ireland and the famous Christchurch Cathedral. His distillery once bounded the eastern wall of St. James's Graveyard. In addition, many of those buried in the graveyard spent their lives working in the distilling industry. For example, Josh Duff, who worked as a cooper making wooden casks for whiskey, is interred here. Josh died in 1776, aged 50, and was buried with his wife and two sons near the eastern wall of the graveyard. Close to the external northern wall of the church, a Celtic cross marks the final resting place of Sir William H. Porter, who worked as the assistant managing director of Guinness in the early 20th century. Though Ireland's whisky industry and the Golden Triangle declined significantly during the years of Prohibition, it has recently been reborn with the help of the Pierce Lyons Distillery here in St. James's. The Archaeology and Conservation of St. James's Church and Graveyard since acquiring new owners, a number of archaeological excavations and conservation works have taken place to preserve St. James's Church and Graveyard. In 2016, when St. James's iconic glass spire was being affixed to the church, targeted excavations took place in the area where the crane was set up. During this archaeological investigation, human remains were discovered accompanied by an inscribed family grave slab. This carved slab informed archaeologists that the body they were excavating belonged to James Carlyle, Esquire, who died in 1799. Amazingly, James's eight times great-grandchild was found, who permitted James's remains to be exhumed before work on the glass spire began. Besides human remains, a number of personal items have been found here over the years, this included buttons, jewellery, coins and clay pipes. These short-stem pipes, often known in Irish as dudines, were handed out for mourners to smoke at Irish wakes. Though most clay pipes were plain, some had decorations stamped into the bowl. Typical bowl decorations included harps and shamrocks. Here in St. James's, some impressive clay pipes were found with the Victorian Turk's head motif, which depicts the face of a bearded man wearing a turban. 
Amongst the personal items were some exotic finds such as a jeton or counter from 16th century Nuremberg, Germany, and a 17th century Spanish gold coin called an escudo. This coin is thought to have been minted over 7,000 kilometers away in Colombia. One side of the coin displayed the Habsburg shield, the royal family who ruled the Spanish Empire, including Colombia, at that time. The reverse side of the coin depicts the cross of Jerusalem, which symbolizes the intention to spread the Christian faith. Besides excavation, much-needed conservation work was carried out both inside and outside the church. In the graveyard, excessive vegetation was cleared back and several conch and cockle shells were uncovered. The meaning behind the use of these shells is unclear, but they seem to have been collected from somewhere on the bed of the South Seas before coming to Dublin. The map of the headstones which the St. James's Graveyard Project Force Employment Scheme created was of great benefit to the conservation team, who spent months carefully resetting and repairing damaged monuments, including the great Butler Memorial in the centre of the graveyard. This vital conservation work means that the memorials in St. James's Graveyard will be able to withstand some of the harsh effects of weathering and will be around for future generations to enjoy. Conclusion We hope you've enjoyed hearing about the history of St. James's Church and Graveyard, from its foundation in the 12th century to the present day. Throughout this guide, we have highlighted some of the key stories, but if you would like to discover more, we recommend reading A History of St. James's Church and Graveyard, Dublin, from the 12th to the 21st centuries, written by local historian Sean Murphy. This book offers a detailed account of the history of St. James's Parish. In this guide, we have heard about some of the fascinating characters buried in St. James's Graveyard, including soldiers, revolutionaries and the aristocracy. If you would like additional information about their memorials, please visit historicgraves.ie, where you can find out more about this graveyard and many others around the country. It should be remembered that all those peacefully interred in St. James's led interesting lives filled with love and loss. As this guide ends, we ask you to please spare a thought for them as we read the inscription from Mary Murphy's headstone here in St. James's graveyard. Stay, passenger, see where I lie, as you are now, so once was I. Now as I am, so must you be. Prepare for death and follow me. This audio guide was written and produced by Abarta Heritage on behalf of Dublin City Council with the kind support of the Community Monuments Fund 2022. The script was written by Tara Clark, edited by Neil Jackman, and narration was by Jerry O'Brien. The guide was produced in Bluebird Studios Dublin with sound engineer Declan Lonigan and producer Tara Clark. Special thanks to historian-in-residence Cathy Scuffle for her contribution to the guide and Dublin City Council, especially Bernard Brady, Christina Todd, Ruth Johnson and Niall Colfer. 
If you would like to learn more about Dublin's fascinating historical cemeteries, visit Dublin City Council's website. Here you will find other free audio guides, including the Jewish Cemetery in Ballybock, the burial ground at the Cabbage Garden on Kevin Street, and the Huguenot Cemetery in Merion Row. You can also find more audio guides exploring the stories of other heritage sites around Ireland on our website, abartaheritage.ie, or search for Abarta Heritage on your favourite podcast platform to discover the stories of Ireland. <laughs>